Welcome to the Anchored by Faith podcast, a Reformed Baptist podcast where we hold to Scripture to be conformed to the image of God. My name is Colton Wright, and my co-host over here... Logan Batisti. And sorry for the long delay in getting this podcast out to you guys. We have had uh, quite the bout of sickness. Yeah, it unfortunately has creeped up on us just as much, and COVID has finally struck... It has finally struck. It hit our church pretty hard, and it eventually made its way into my house. So far, it has not come to my house, but if it does, it does. If not, well, thank goodness. It, I can't say necessarily that I had it. I know Crystal, she tested positive at home test, and she had it, and uh, she got pretty sick, you know, just pretty cruddy feeling. I'll tell you what, those vitamins, though, doctors recommended a lot of vitamins, and it really helped, really helped, because she probably went two days without anything. We were just taking cough medicine, whatever, because we just, we didn't know it was COVID, and when we found out it was COVID, we instantly called the doctor, got us, told us to take a bunch of vitamins, started taking vitamins, she started feeling better pretty, like, the next day. Yeah, it's one of the nice things about my wife choosing the all natural stuff is vitamin C, echinacea. We use that quite a bit. And they said that was the best thing to take was vitamin C, D, and zinc. I haven't tried zinc before yet. Mm. Eat with it, man. That we didn't. I made omelets or like breakfast scrambled breakfast burritos. That's what mm. it was, and ate zinc. Before, and I was cooking, I was like, oh, I'll be fast enough. You know, it'll be fine. No, it wasn't. I was sitting there, and I was like, man, it made me sick to my stomach. So what have you been doing with your time off this long vacay? (laughs) Well, because of everybody's been sick, um, I preached the past two weeks. That is right. Um, First time. And then the rest of the time has been looking at houses and hanging out with family because we hung out with Megan and Remington a lot the past weekend. I'm sorry. I'm not. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, no, that's good. That's yeah, fun. we got to play some video games, got to play some board games. Did you play some Catan? No. <sighs> we need to get together and do some Catan. Yeah, we haven't done that in a really long time. Yeah. Crystal's been dying to play Pirate Catan. I want to play Civilization again. But I want to do the Pirate Catan, too. We've only done that one a couple of times. I don't even know if we got to really finish a whole game of it. It takes a long time, but it's really fun. Mm-hmm. It always is like, a, a at the end, it's so close. It's so close. It's like with like two or three moves, unlike the regular Catan, where, you know, you could be that one guy that has... Everything. That has like, yeah, everything. You've got the longest road and the army and... You get 13 sheep per yeah. turn. <laughs> yeah, you get 30. No one wants your sheep. But that's good. So house hunting going good? Uh, eh. <laughs> eh. It's all right. I mean, I wish I could go by faster, but, or something good pop up. But we'll see how it works. Um, How about you, Colton? What you been up to besides being sick? Uh, School started officially. So I've been trying to cram and read, reading a decent amount all COVID and everything has had my books delayed. Oh, so, man. Yeah, actually, for one of my classes, I had to order, I had to buy the book twice. Yeah. I bought it like three weeks ago, and it still wasn't here, and so I had to go to the actual seminary, buy the book, and it beat it here. I'm still waiting on a book. It has it has not arrived yet. Wait, so you had to go up to Kansas City to go get no, the book? Oh. No, I had to order it like from, I think it was from Southwestern, who was uh, actually had the rights to the uh, the book. And so I had to buy it through them. They sent it to me. It took them a, like, it took them a week. I got it, I think, Tuesday. Uh-huh. And I still have not received the one I ordered like a month ago. Oh, jeez. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm still waiting. And I'm like, well. So I'm kind of wondering if I should order my other books already because I got classes yeah, coming up. I'm starting to kind of nervous. If you already know what your other classes is, you might as well get the books. Yeah. I've been trying to do the ebook thing. Yeah. Because, like- I mean, you, you're doing it over there with your tablet. Yeah, Kindle Fires are pretty nice. I mean, I I enjoy it. It definitely makes moving days a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get to 
uh, like on my iPhone, if I can download on my iPhone, you can, I can actually read it to you mm. no matter if it's an ebook or whatever. And, uh, I kind of like that feature cause I can be working or whatever. If, and then if I, if I listen to it all day and then I come home and read it, it tends to sink in a little, a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. A little bit better. I gotcha. So I understand. But yeah, otherwise that's all that's been kind of new with us. Um, we've definitely missed being on a podcast and I'm sorry that we haven't been able to be consistent, but for those of you who need some catch up, we've been in lamentations. Mm -hmm. We've started the long awaited lamentations. Long awaited. Yep. (laughs) We're lamenting the fact that we are lamenting sickness and everything is caused us not to be able to, we have felt the distress. (laughs) Not quite. That's a little lamenter. Yeah, I can't imagine what Jeremiah would feel like. Oh man! And I was catching up in my reading for going through while we're in the book of Jeremiah. I mm-hmm. didn't realize some of the things that he had to go through while Jerusalem was being sieged. He went through a lot. Yeah, I mean, I understand why they. But he was called the weeping prophet because absolutely. I mean, he's not like Isaiah. You know, Isaiah is interesting because he stands back. You know, and he kind of preaches and can and, and, and prophesies over Israel. And then you have, you know, Jeremiah, who he's prophesying, but he's like prophesying as the people. Like he is doing everything that they're going to suffer. He's going through it. Yeah, I think, I can't remember if it was the, the ebook commentary I have or if it was the other one. Uh, it kind of compared Jeremiah to being the conductor on a freight train. That's going downhill super fast, and he's trying to tell it to stop <laughs> with the handbrake, but you know how that's going to go with 400,000 tons in the air yeah. brake. Yeah, it doesn't work very well. And he gets the first class seat. <laughs> no, he's the conductor in yeah, the front trying yeah. to stop it. Yeah, he gets, well, and he gets the first class, you know, he, he gets, I mean, in one sense, he gets to experience it all first. Right. You know? Oh, man. But I think. It definitely gives a good reason why, if you look at Jeremiah and you see what's in Lamentations, that mm-hmm. it could definitely be Jeremiah. Jeremiah who writes it because they go through similar experiences. Yeah, I think that's a big that's a big argument for me. Like that was kind of a a, a cinch point because you have people that speculate, you know, who wrote Lamentations, what well, doesn't say, but you can look at the internal consistency and you can know that these were written about the same time because they're depicting the same thing. Well. Jeremiah's foretelling it and then it you can see it happening in, in lamentations there's so much similarity between mm-hmm. the two um i i think that you can one can safely say it was jeremiah right and it not hurts you no in any mean or form by doing that no and they use a lot of the same words if you read jeremiah you can you can understand they use some of the similar phrases so it's like reading you know Paul and and then coming to the book of Hebrews, you know, you can understand that Paul had something to do with Hebrews, whether he wrote it or not, he had something to do with it. <laughs> There's speculations on that, but dun, dun, dun. I personally think it was, if he didn't write it, he had a hand in something about it. It was his theology. Right. It kind of be like probably the same way of how. Mark is based off of Peter's sermons, yeah. possibly, or something like that. Exactly. I mean, you don't read Hebrews. and My first, my mind goes instantly to Romans and Galatians. Yeah. So. Nope. But otherwise, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into Lamentations 3, because it is a pretty long chapter. It is a big chapter. So, first off, before we even read... Notice it's 66 verses, folks. Yes. But why is the 66 so interesting? Mm. Well, if we've been paying attention, the last two chapters have been 22 verses, which is interesting because there's, like we said in the beginning, there is 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And so that acrostic form, it has come to chapter 3, but it has repeated itself three times in chapter 3. Three times? In chapter three, what is the significance of three? Of three, hmm. a trinity. Hmm. Dare I say, it is a big number. 
It it is a big biblical number. Right. When something's sorry, we're tripeded. Kind of facetious, I yeah, guess is yeah, the right yeah. word to say there. But when you when you say something three times, when you repeat something, it's there's emphasis. When you repeat it three times, there's even more emphasis on it in one way. Um, like holy, holy, holy yeah. is what the angels would or say. Or truly, truly, truly. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, verily, verily, verily. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- it's repeated three times, thus adds extra emphasis to the importance of it, which is ironic because what is chapter three? Chapter three? What is chapter three? It's the one after chapter two. Right. <laughs> it is the apex of the book. Right. It's abs- It's pretty much where things come to a point. Yeah. I figured that's where you were going, but... <laughs> Had to fun- have fun with it. Right. So this is the apex of the book. And if you don't get it by reading chapter three, you can simply look at the breakdown of chapter three. Right. And you, it kind of points to it. It's... It's kind of like, it reminds me of the book of Matthew. When you start in the book of Matthew, in chapter one, you have the genealogy. And as you're walking through the genealogy, if you could pay attention to the details, you could see that this Jesus character, even through that long list of genealogy that we always skip over, let's be honest, at the end of it, you realize if you're counting, this is someone really important when it comes to Jesus. And so... If you're following and you, you're reading and you go past 22 verses, you can understand that this is something important. You know, this is, there, there's, there's a reason the author has went longer in this. Right. I mean, this is kind of the point of, it's not past doom and gloom, but there's hope Yeah, filled in these passages still. This is, act, what we're going to read is actually maybe the only verses that you're probably you've heard from lamentations before yeah i mean i agree with that there's not much i ever try to pay attention to in lamentations have, before now i've actually seen these like on plaques uh-huh. written on there and it's ironic now because before you know i just kind of walked by and i was like whatever i never paid attention to it now after going through the book of lamentations thinking back on those verses as they were posted up there, it's kind of ironic because they post them up there like something. Like they're supposed to comfort you. Yeah, they're supposed to comfort you. And it's like, yes, but it's... It's not... You're not understanding the depth of what's going on in Lamentations, of the heartbreak and the suffering. Yeah, it's... It it means so much more. Right. Than... It's not like a a foo-foo fluffy thing over here. It's it's real. Right. It's raw. Like, uh, trying to think of how to word this but it's not something that it's a person on the outside trying to make you feel better just through empathy no this is a person who's truly suffering and yet still glorifying god Mm -hmm. for what's going on yeah no that's well put i mean because and ultimately because he knows god has put them him there yeah too that's another thing it's not just somebody who's out of the blue yeah, it's not like, darn, you know, I spilled my coffee on my car type thing or something really, you know, oh, I stubbed my toe again on the dresser. You know, this is like real pain. Right. I mean, as Americans, we get to see sometimes, but third world countries, other countries in the world, I'm sure have a way mm. better image than what we could ever imagine oh, in yeah. our comfortable life. Oh, yeah. I mean, we are so blessed in America. We're so we receive so much safety from outside influences and things like that. But I'm sure we can our brothers and sisters in China, our brothers and sisters, Iraq, Afghanistan, they can probably sympathize a lot more with lamentations, right? Absolutely. Than we can, which is a shame. We should, you know, we we should at least understand and and read it more, right? So, without further ado. We'll jump in here and we'll just kind of, I'll just kind of read through subsection. We'll stop and pause. Okay. Sounds good. You can start off this one. Lamentations chapter three, verse one. I am the man who has seen affliction because of the rod of his wrath. He has driven me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely against me, he has turned his hand repeatedly all the day. He has caused my flesh and my skin to waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and encompassed me with bitterness and hardship. In dark places he has made me dwell, 
like those who have long been dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot go out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry out and call for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. He is to me like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in secret places. He has turned aside my ways and torn me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow. He has set set as a target for the arrow. He has made the arrows of his quiver to enter my inward parts. I have become a laughingstock to all my people, their mocking song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drunk with wormwood. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has made me cower in the dust. My soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say, my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. So it seems pretty dark and gloomy. Yeah, <laughs> but reading through this, you kind of see why I I kind of go along with the favorite interpretation of this being more like the author is the one who's writing and speaking more than the author is taking a personified position of Israel. I think it's uh, what you said. I, I tend to take like a, a hybrid in a sense where it, the author isn't personifying, you know, Israel's pain, but he's actually in the pain as well. Right. In this moment, he is actually crying out. And so he's he's crying out personally, but he's also crying out at the same time in a sense for Israel. But but it really is, like you said, more of him because he starts off in chapter two. He has kind of let up. I mean, it's God's anger over Israel. And it's very above, I guess you could say, like a sky view explaining the destruction and this pain and suffering, this anger. And then it comes to chapter 3, and then he says, I am the man who has seen affliction. So he actually sets himself in this anger now. Everything he's described in chapter 2 as the pain and the suffering, the anger, the torment. Now he is in that. And he makes it personable because he says, I have seen affliction because of the rod of his wrath. So he kind of connects the two. I know we said that these two chapters, um, each chapter can kind of stand by itself. But there's a lot of people, um, a lot of liberal scholars, who try to say these are different people that wrote these poems. And I, I don't think that is true because of the consistency within the poems themselves. They can stand by themselves, but they still are connected by strings. Right. And... And so you can see here that he has put himself, he's saying, I am feeling the wrath, the wrath that was described in chapter two that has been shown so far. Yeah. I'm in this wrath. And he's driven me. Yes. To walk in the darkness and not in the light. And he's made me. I mean, this definitely is coming from a prophet from God who's definitely sent to proclaim the bad news. And the reality is this bad news is... Totally avoidable. Well, see, King Zechariah, that Jeremiah had warned him, go under the yoke, take it, and you will live. But instead, he tries to run away. He gets captured. His whole family is killed in front of him. And like Samson, his eyes are gouged out, and then he's taken to Babylon as a captive. Can you imagine? You know that your nation is being judged. You know you're being judged because you come to the prophet and the prophet's saying it and you ask him for wisdom and he, he literally says, you'll be spared. Everything's still going to happen, but your life will be spared if you obey what the Lord has said. And he literally runs away. Well, he told everybody to do yeah. that. And one of the reasons Jeremiah gets put in this, I get stockade's not the right word, but he's put in prison and then in a pit is because he tells the people, go surrender yourselves. Mm-hmm. Do not fight back because it's going to happen. And he gets in trouble because of them worrying about making the men of Israel fear and tremble. Yeah, even though they are well aware of their of their sin. Right, absolutely. I mean, in a sense, they're aware of their sin. You know, they're, they understand that the reason this is happening is because they have fallen away. But yet at the same time, they're not willing to listen. Like, even in the rebellion, they're still rebelling. (laughs) Yeah. They will not turn to God at any point or listen to him. No, not at all. Even when they try to secretly ask for his wisdom. Yeah. I mean, you come to a prophet, a known prophet, and he says, do this. And they say, instead, we're going to throw you in a pit so that you die. Right. And listen to the other ones who are falsely telling them other dreams and things like that. 
Okay. So next up says he has caused my flesh and my skin to waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and encompassed me with bitterness and hardship. In dark places, he has made me dwell like those who have long been dead. He has walled me in so I cannot go out and he has made my chain heavy. Man, it sounds like a prisoner. Yeah, sounds like a prisoner. And you have the one of the unifying themes in this section here is that darkness. The darkness, which is obviously um, the absence of light, yes. But in Scripture, it has, when darkness is talked about, it has that, that sinful aspect and a, a, like a God's judgment in a sense. In my mind, I'm recalled automatically to John chapter 1. You know, that's where my mind's going. I'm already making that connection. But I think it's interesting that darkness and then in the darkness, so he's dwelling in the darkness, and then look what the darkness has caused. By him being in the darkness, all these things have happened. By him being away from God's light, his his goodness, his um, favor, mm-hmm. all this bad stuff has happened. Yeah. So he's you know, broke my bones, besieged me, encompassed me with bitterness and hardship. You know, and it's not just with the bitterness and hardship, the broken bones, which is so vivid, but he, when he has besieged me and encompassed me with bitterness and hardship, he's actually became bitter from this. His, his attitude is no longer chipper and good. You know, he's right. He's, this sucks. This sucks. Yeah. 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 He's kicking rocks. He's like, this sucks. I want out of here. Yeah. And not for anything he's done, but because of, if this is Jeremiah, because of what the word of the Lord says. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, interesting. He made me, you, you said, in dark places, he has made me dwell. So he, he's feeling as if the Lord, you know, he's not shining his light on him and, and he is making him dwell in these bad places. Right. Even verse eight, even when I cry out and call for help, he shuts out my prayer. <sighs> he has blocked my ways with hewn stone and he has made my past crooked. So he, he feels as if the Lord, with hewn stone, you know, that's interesting because hewn stone is carved mm-hmm. stone. So it's the intentionality of what's going on. And you get that by the next verse with the, you know, he has made my path crooked. But the hewn stone, this is a deliberate stone, deliberate attacks placed upon them. Right. He has made, or he's to me like a bear lying in wait like a lion in secret places. Now, we don't understand this nowadays because guns, yeah. knives, swords, we're not really worried about wild animals being able. I don't know. I'm still kind of worried I about mean, a bear jumping out at me. <laughs> people still are, but I mean, there's we have more defenses now yeah. than what people did back then. Yeah. It's not like we're a completely defenseless people. No. And it, I just think of. You're out hiking in the woods. How defenseless are you when a bear runs up to you? I mean, yeah, you have a gun. Let's say it's a grizzly bear. <laughs> Unless you've got a big gun, I'm still pretty, oh, well, I'm going to be scared no matter what. <laughs> right. You know, you're scared. You're right. terrified. What do you do? You can't run. You can't swim. You can't climb. There's not a whole lot you yeah. can do besides make a ton of noise, I think. Is yeah. that what you're supposed to do? Well, I usually try to outrun the guy next to me. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah. So, animals. He's like a wild animal. Yeah. And he feels as if... So, like, the Lord has intentionally caused his path to be crooked, so all these deliberate attacks have caused him to veer off. Right. But he feels even if he gets off the path, like, if he, the path was straight, he still feels that the Lord would attack him. Right. Like, there's He's no escape. feeling hunted. Yeah. yeah. He has turned aside my ways and torn me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for the arrow. He made the arrows of his quiver to enter my inward parts. Mm. Now, this is definitely deliberate attacks and mm-hmm. targeted. Yeah. If you ever get to hunt, you know that you're aiming for certain spots, mm-hmm. specific spots to kill. And if you're on that twisted side of things, to injure and maim so that you can watch people enjoy their torture. Yeah. Not saying that God is twisted in this by not trying to kill, but. He's expressing his pain. Right. He feels as if the Lord is, 
has drawn back that bow and uh, I think some translations say kidneys, you know, mm. but it, it doesn't mean physical kidneys. It's really just meaning the inwardness of the pain, you know, the the NASB here I think captures it well that the seat of pain, your center, the, the shot was was basically bullseye. Bam. It was right where it counted. Yeah. And it hurt yeah. quite a bit. I mean, can you imagine having to watch women and children and men all die of starvation, cannibalism happening, and even whatever else is going on with the typical war stuff when things come in between ravaging and pillaging? No. I, you know, I, I guess we can say I'm we're blessed, but I no, I really can't. Right. I really can't imagine it. I mean... I don't think in America we have experienced quite the starvation. I, I know there's there's people on the streets, and I know there's there's there is bad things that happen, but in general, most Americans probably have never suffered that. Right, because most of us can't even accompany to what happened with the Great Depression. Yeah, and I mean that's probably one of the closest times that we've gotten. As a nation to that point in time. Yeah, and this is and that's child's play compared to this. I mean, the amount of deliberate pain and suffering and cruelty expressed, you know, that's still really nothing. Um, I mean, think about how much the Great Depression changed our nation. And you can see how much the fall of Jerusalem in this sense would change this nation. Right as they are falling behind them. We can think a lot of things today and effects today. The hope is through even this pain and suffering that that might happen to Israel. Right. And this is kind of the point of where I think this falls in line with something Jeremiah would say, because it Mm -hmm. says, I have become a laughingstock to all my people. This isn't talking about enemies in other countries, but Mm -hmm. literally about being a laughingstock of, of Israel yeah. himself because he was the one who was pronouncing judgment and destruction. Mm-hmm. And everybody was just like, no, that's not going to happen. No way. There's no way God would let that happen. And what happens? Mm-hmm. The besieging happens and they're taken to Babylon. Yeah. He's very personal here. And I'm not saying that it's not personal, but he's went as a like, personal corporate, I think, until this point. And then it's like a break, and he's like, I. Now he's separating himself even from the people that are, you know, Israel in general. Right. And I was saying, my pain, my pain is now different because I am like persecuted to persecuted because my people who are already being persecuted, I'm getting it even more. And I think this is some of the most, to me, verse 15, 16 is some of the most um, vivid words picked or things to me he says he has filled me with bitterness he has made me drunk with wormwood he has broken my teeth with gravel he has made me cower in the dust yeah. i mean if we think about this one of the things that jeremiah has gone through was he was tossed into a well mm. and the well wasn't just filled with water it was filled with mud and he wasn't given nice treatment at all no. During this time. Not until he had to talk to somebody, I believe, or somebody, God gave somebody the ability to give him bread through it. I have to reread Jeremiah and go back over that. But it definitely wasn't an instant thing of where, oh, this is a luxury prison. This is the best part in the world. Like, he still gets to watch his TV and read books. Now, this is... yeah. So this was an American prison. Right. I mean, I know prison's tough and that stuff, but when you're, I mean, at least in prison, you're guaranteed a meal. You know, here you don't have a meal. You don't have to worry about, you know, maybe necessarily danger from anyone else. You just have to worry about wasting away and dying because no one's going to feed you. No one cares about you. I mean, just think about the basics, being in a well. Where do you go to the bathroom? Right. I mean, you get... I'm, that's a real thing. I mean, you're sitting there. Where are you going to go? You have nowhere to go. And so you're literally sitting in your own filth. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
think about diseases and sickness that could that could occur from that. So pretty distraught. And then he says he has broken my teeth with gravel. You know, that's basically the the English equivalent of us saying, you know, he has made me eat dust. He has pushed me down to I am so humiliated. It's not that he just feels the God's wrath is upon him, not that he just feels that this is deliberate and this pain. Um, he feels humiliated, completely humiliated by everybody. Right. And a form of like subjugation and mm-hmm. showing humility back then was people would prostrate themselves. Mm. That was one of the things is you don't go down and kiss somebody's foot because mm. it's the dirtiest part of their body kind of thing. Yeah. Think and, of like the the woman uh, with Jesus. Right. Yeah. Oh, there was something else I was thinking about. Oh, I was thinking about once upon a time when Rumpelstiltskin is oh. the character he's supposed to play, but he has a son and he's labeled as a coward. And this royal landowner is like, kiss my foot or I'll send your son out there or something like that. And obviously to save his son and things like that, he has to prostrate himself and Mm. humiliate himself by kissing the person's foot. Mm. Obviously things in our culture, we still understand the significance of symbols and of certain things, but there are some things we don't get as much anymore. Like, if somebody were to say, I bite my thumb at you yeah, or like, mm-hmm. or washing feet, there are certain jobs that we don't completely think about as much as they did back then. Yeah. No, that's, that's true. It's kind of lost in translation because we, you know, we're just so distance, but even the prostrating, like you mentioned, and even though we might think it's foreign, it's actually still, it is still is embedded even in the Christian life, I think about prayer. Um, we had a wonderful uh, prayer meeting last night, and it just reoccurred in my mind. Uh, what does it mean to pray um, standing up? And then what does it mean to be pray sitting? And then try kneeling and prostrating yourself. And just think about it. What is that conveying? It's conveying, in a sense, humility, but also... Um, pouring out you know right it's you're not giving your full posture you're yeah you're cowering yeah i mean not necessarily out of fear but the reverence reverence i guess is some of the way and obviously this is a point to where this is not necessarily out of reverence this is him being forced down yeah to take his cup mm-hmm. and eat the dust basically yeah. He has made me cower in the dust. I mean, he is like a whipped dog. Right. Mm. You know, he's cowering. His soul has been rejected from peace, and he has forgotten happiness. And mm. so I say, my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. I mean, this is where it seems like he's kind of all out of hope. It's he, mm. He's in that bitterness, pit of despair. Mm. But this is where chapter three becomes so important, mm. is because it shows kind of a time frame of when you're going through that suffering and rejection. You think that you've lost hope, mm-hmm. but it kind of goes back to reminding yourself, no, I haven't lost all hope. God is still there. God is still faithful. Mm-hmm. Now, the only reason that Jeremiah is saying God is still faithful is because he's faithful <laughs> to destroying Jerusalem <laughs> is the sad part. And I, I guess I'm laughing out of, like trying to cover the grief. Oh, yeah. But it's crazy to think that and hard to understand that God is still faithful in allowing suffering to happen. No, we, at this point in the book, it's been pretty bleak. And then it gets so much more bleak. It gets so much harder. And, you know, it goes from this exterior pain, suffering, to now it's this internalized where you can sympathize. Because I think each, at the true heart, if we want to be honest with ourselves, there has probably been a moment in your life 
where you can where you can sympathize with the lamenter. Right. Maybe not physical starvation. Maybe. Maybe not actual pain. Maybe not actual cowering. But spiritually, you felt that way. You felt as if you have been forsaken. To where things are not going your way, and you're just struggling because you have no idea what's going mm-hmm. on. I, I mean, think- I, I guarantee every person has gone through that at least once. Yeah. This was like a, a big moment for me when I was reading this, because it, it just hit me that throughout the whole book, I realized as I read the book that it was, us as Christians, we've neglected, and we have this mentality that we put the Christian veneer on, but it, here is where like it really clicked with me, that it was like, no, we, we really do try to put the Christian veneer on. Right, and even when we do pray for suffering and things like that, it's not... I mean, we're not weeping. We're not fasting for it. No. I mean, we maybe like with the white glove on, like touch it a little bit and play with it. Hit it with the stick. Right. But we try to distance ourselves as far away from it. Mm -hmm. Rather than back then, people would basically rend their clothes and pour dust on their heads in their grief. Yeah. I mean, and that kind of, that came to my head. I was thinking of Job. You know, mm-hmm. and you, you get to Job, and he talks about you know tearing his clothes and and sitting on ash, and we're like, yeah, 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 whatever. But no, like Job can sympathize with the lamenter here. He had lost everything, and so what did he do? He completely cowered himself. He humiliated himself. He 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 licked the dust. He he was done. Right. And so what did he do? Um, he he ripped his clothes. He humiliate himself by putting ash on him he set an ash he has nothing left and he just sits there and we look at the folly of job's friends air quotes friends and we tend to be more like the friends in the suffering right than job we tend to be like what'd you do wrong or don't worry you know i've been guilty of it and you know, you just got to look at the positive. You just got to look at the good stuff. And God's in control. And God's in control. All, all that. Yeah. I, I can say us as reformed, that's probably one of my biggest, you know, don't worry, God's in control. I know God's in control. It doesn't help me right. with the pain. It, it doesn't help me with what's going on right now. Yeah. Let's go ahead and pick back up from verse 19. Yeah. Remember my affliction and my wondering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness never cease. For his compassions never fail, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent, since he has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. Perhaps there is hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. Let him be filled with reproach. For the Lord will not reject forever. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion, according to his abundant loving kindness. For he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men, to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the land to deprive a man of justice in the presence of the Most High, to defraud a man in his lawsuit of these things the Lord does not approve. Sorry, we don't have a strict outline this time, but I think that's a good point. Well, this is there's so much bite here. Right. Because we just went through and we talked about how in the first few verses here and in chapter two. Oh, I hate when I lose my place. Yeah, I just, I just shut my Bible. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> but... We talk about how this is the author knowing that God is the one who's acting. God is the one who's become the enemy. He is the one who's hunting. He's the lion waiting. He's the one who's caused this path to happen. Obviously not. And there's no point where he is blaming God for everything Mm -hmm. that is going on. He's just grieving. He's just giving out his pain. And he's just said, I've lost all my hope. Or my hope has perished. And then he's like, oh, wait. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases. Mm -hmm. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. 
Great is your faithfulness. Mm. So remember what I just said. Mm -hmm. The only faithfulness that is happening here right now is him being faithful to his promise to destroy. (laughs) It puts it in perspective. But that I think it's wonderful that he starts off that and he says, remember my affliction. He started the first the chapter. I am the one who has seen affliction. And he's saying everything that I've just described. Lord, don't forget it. And it's like, well, those are the things that we tend to commit such grievous sins in those moments that we say, Lord, let's, you know, let's sweep that under the rug. You don't have to look at what I said back then. That like, or blame God for what's going on. It's like, why is this happening? Exactly. Why is this so terrible? But yet he didn't, and he, he didn't blame God. He didn't do any of that. And so he can actually sit there and say, remember my affliction, my bitterness. Remember my soul and how it was and is and how it is bowed down. It is it is prostrated before me. It is, he said in verse 16, cower in the dust. Therefore, I have hope. And it's like, how, what? What? And you said, you know, faithful faithfulness. And he says, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. For his compassions never fail. Now that's probably the one of the only verses, you know, this this section is is the good session that we want to take out of Lamentations. Take out of Lamentations. Because it's comforting. It gives us hope. Yeah. And it I'll tell you what, it, it does. It really does give me hope. It gives me for anyone that's out there that is struggling with any pain, any suffering, if you're in the pit of despair, remember this, that the Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are made new every morning, great is your faithfulness. But remember, the faithfulness only means what it does because of what's going on. Right. He's not being faithful to Israel because they're good because they deserve it because they had their best life now because they you name it nope none of it absolutely none of it is on their shoulders it's because of what god has said he's going to do yeah and yet he still redeems them through it it's literally like taking your child they've spat in your face you spank them and you put them in timeout and you ask them if they're ready, and they cuss you out, and you still let them come back. Why? Because you love them. When when they come back into the land, which they will later, we know, we know, they're not any better. No, in fact, they it really gets worse. So why would they come back? Because God never forgets. I mean, I think a good way to put it is... It's not just a child that spits in your face, but it's kind of like the child who acts like they're going to change, acts like everything's going to be okay. Like, yeah, I'm going to do what you say now, and then like, not even five minutes later, you catch them doing the wrong thing again. That's a good point. Kind of like an addict that doesn't get help. Like, yeah. They try I'll to do it on their time. own. I'll change this time, but it mm. doesn't happen. And it's... And it's his loving kindness. And that that word was unique because it's in the Hebrew, it's the chesed of God. And God's the only one that has chesed. No one else has chesed. I don't have a hairball. No, that's the word. And what that means is his covenantal faithfulness and love. we don't really have an English word to describe what it is, so we developed a word, and we made it loving-kindness, which seems redundant, but it doesn't really encompass what it means because it's hard to make it in good English. Yeah, but, that, that's that's one of the things that's tough about when reading Scripture out of English is we don't understand the old languages, mm-hmm. and sometimes the words don't translate over the way that they're supposed to. And And this word... Hesed, this loving kindness. When you see it, that's it's mostly what that word is translated in most of your translations. It, it has to do with God's faithful, covenantal, unfathomable love. It has to do with love that never ceases, love that never ends. You've heard of like agape love, okay? I, I think Hesed is it's so much more than that word because 
it is a love without boundaries. It's a love without expectations. Right. I mean, if not, then they're definitely probably used to describe one another. I mean, it's probably the Greek's translation of yeah. trying to understand what was said right there. I'd be interested to see I'd have a to, grammatical study on that. Yeah, really see what would. the Septuagint says at that yeah. point. I'd look that up. Me too. I, and I haven't actually looked at that. I wonder if it is agape. I, I'd assume it would be. Hmm. But I don't know. It's a good point. Because by that point in time, agape might not have been around. It's curious. You've got me intrigued now. i got to look that up. I didn't think about the Septuagint. All right. So we'll definitely have to do some more in-depth look into this. Hopefully it's not what Blue Letter says and that the verse is omitted from the Septuagint. Yeah. Do you know, not to get on too much of a side note, but that reminded me, I've been trying to get my hands on a Septuagint. Like, that's, I just don't want the Apocrypha. I guess I can't get that. I don't know. I've never looked into trying to get this up to because I didn't really study Greek all that well. I've just, I want to have one and I want to, so I, that way when I get back to studying Greek like I should. And I can't find one. It's so hard. Anyway. Yeah, it's probably because the Greek Orthodox Church, maybe. Hmm. That's what it looked like when I was trying to look it up. Dang Orthodox. Anyway. Orthodoxy is a good thing, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> but not the way the Greek Orthodox yeah. do it. Different different thing entirely. Yeah. Different thing. All right. So verse 22, we talk about loving kindness, first compassions never fail. 24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Mm. To the person who seeks him. And this is... I'd like to pause here because this is interesting. This is a transition from 25 to 39. It's going to describe essentially the person who seeks him. All the benefits that will arise from seeking the Lord, which is interesting because I didn't catch that the first time I read it. <laughs> but it's, I see it now. Yeah, it's really it, interesting. It makes sense when I was reading the commentary earlier that it was talking about how this is a person who to take the yoke. Yeah. That's what we were talking about earlier, of how King Zechariah should have taken the yoke and submitted. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. He tried to fight. He tried to rebel against a direct command of God. Right. And he suffered the consequences. And why? Well, because he didn't want to appropriately lament. Mm-hmm. And so there is a correct way and a wrong way to lament. Absolutely. And we're about to see a good way to strive. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. Not like really quiet though, right? I mean, pretty, Mm. I'd assume pretty quietly. Like we can scream a little bit. I mean, the thing that brings... To my mind, the most this is thinking about when Jesus tells mm-hmm. tells the people about prayer. Mm. Is like, are you the one who's to be on the corner? Oh Lord, I'm so thankful for the blessings that you give us, and that you allow me to give one tenth of everything I have to you, and that I'm not like these people over here, or that you're saying a prayer long winded. Mm. to make yourself look good in front of everybody. No, he says to go into a closet. I mean, don't get me wrong. Public prayer is still a powerful thing and needed at points in time. I mean, that's what we were doing and focusing on last night. Mm -hmm. But But there is that time where there is a certain heart that you need for prayer, something that is important to it. Mm -hmm. And you need... To remember that is communication between you and God. It's not communication to God so that everybody can see how righteous you are. That's mm-hmm. a big, that's, that's silently for the salvation of the Lord, for the deliverance. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent since he has laid it on him. Mm. I mean, just think about that. Like, It is good that you essentially suffer while you're young 
It's good to suffer while you're young and sit in silence. Not to cry out, but to bear it. Think of how hard that is. Even, I mean, when you're young especially. Well, it seems like this is kind of paradoxical to what's going on because yeah, this whole Lamentations is about <laughs> yeah crying about suffering and what's going on. Innocent, yeah. But at the same time, he is, Lamenter is, is talking about it, but you see through through chapter three right here, you know, the one thing he, you mentioned he hasn't done is he hasn't cried out. Why God? He's not, he knows exactly why this yoke's placed on them. Right. He knows exactly why it is. He has made excuses for, you know, it wasn't me. You know, not like the garden. You know, it wasn't, well, it was the woman that you gave me. I didn't do it. You know, he's saying. The woman says it's the snake. Yeah. And the woman says it's the snake and you just keep pointing fingers. And, He's he's sitting there, and yeah, I, I know why this is going on. I know why I'm suffering, but Lord, it still hurts. Lord, it still sucks. Right. Yeah, and it says, let him put his mouth in the dust. Perhaps there is hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. Let him be filled with reproach. I mean, this is going back to that prostrating we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. Like, this is the ultimate showing of humility. Or subservience i guess maybe a better word but this is literally him giving up everything giving his position giving his stature giving his pride and saying here strike me yeah it makes you think of this is striking it reminds me of of just jesus and what he commanded his disciples to do mm-hmm. they smike you on one cheek turn the other to him that's a form of humility you know, expressing that you're not going to strike back, you're not going to recourse. Why not? Well, because coming back to this, as a lamenter who is suffering, you're feeling persecution, you shouldn't retaliate, even if it's, especially if it's to God, but you shouldn't retaliate to others either. Right. Um, verse 3. For the Lord will not reject forever, for if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. I mean, it's kind of remembering that Jesus and God is the one who will judge for you. I think it's an important thing to remember for the Old Testament that some people didn't strike. I think it's in the Psalms. Multiple times of where, Lord, my enemies surround me. I'm not doing anything. Please don't forgive me. Don't leave me here. Be the one who's going to judge. Mm-hmm. And that they lay their hope in that, Hmm. that with every suffering that's going on and everything that is surrounding them, they're keeping in mind the hope that he is the judge. He is the one who will bring justice because God is a just God. He doesn't just put it to the side. He extracts his justice Mm -hmm. as much as he does his love. And in fact, he wouldn't love as much if he didn't have his justice there in the first place. Mm I think a biblical character, I think of David and the reverence he had for God in those moments and the trust he had in God. And when he comes to Goliath and Goliath's uh, blaspheming and, and rioting and no one, everyone's scared. And what does David say? He walks up to him and says, who is this man who blasphemes against you know my God? It's like, you know, that's the attitude he has. It was, he walked in on a guy and he says, this guy shouldn't be talking about my God like that. That... Yeah. Or when he's in the cave cowering from Saul Mm. because Saul is his enemy chasing him and wants to kill him. Mm -hmm. And David has the chance Mm. to creep up. And what does he do? He just cuts off a little bit of his robe to show him here. God placed you in my hand, but you know what? I'll follow God's law and I will not strike his anointed one. I could have exacted revenge right here, right now. But Lord, I know you in your timing said, I will be king. I will let it be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that we need to remember to have hope in is that God is faithful to bring justice. Yeah. We should feel just as faithful as God has brought a judgment. In this case, it was a judgment or pain and affliction as God has given or allowed pain and suffering in our life that, he will get us out of it if we are faithful to him. Verse 33. 
for he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the land. To deprive a man of justice in the presence of the Most High, to defraud a man in his lawsuit of these things the Lord does not approve. It is not good to deprive a man of justice. It is not good to defraud a man. It, it you know, it, it's echoing of Ecclesiastes type or Proverbs type walking here, where you your reactions, your relationships with others have effects. God wants his people to act a certain way. And when you don't act a certain way, it brings about repercussions. And the Lord hates these things. He, you know, he hates a lying mouth. He hates these things. We should not, as being individuals, no matter how much persecution, no matter how much pain we are in, we should not resort to this type of behavior. No, we should go back to what verses 24 through 32 say. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the image that is right there in in the middle. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about depriving a man of justice, what are you saying? You're saying, Lord, I don't trust you to exact justice. I, I'm going to do it. You're saying, <clears throat> uh, you're saying in... Uh, in 36, to defraud a man of his lawsuit, what are you saying? You don't deserve to do this. Mm. But it's a lawsuit, so you can assume that it's actually a just cause. He's, he's actually doing it for a purpose, and you're saying no. So you're, you're actually depriving justice in that sense, too. And so you are actually intervening where God is acting. Gotcha, I see. And don't get us wrong. There are definitely people who God places to be judges, to mm-hmm. give justice governments are one of those things Mm. there are people in authority above us who are given this right to be people of judgment Mm -hmm. but don't forget look back at the old testament if you're one of those people who god is called to judge Mm -hmm. do not be like those judges of the old testament who use their power to go to the wayside there are definitely multiple times that when a judge takes their power to the wayside consequences do follow massive consequences absolute i mean i can think of some of aaron's sons Mm. the first one of the first people used to gave wrong fire before god Mm -hmm. burned up eli's sons they were terrible judges who accepted everything and they were killed Mm -hmm. and eli himself was as well because he didn't do anything to stop them really Mm mm-hmm and Samuel was the one who God had claimed for it. You can see that those things that God has commanded his people to act a certain way, and when you don't act that way, it does bring about consequences. Right. Real consequences. Verse 37, Who is there who speaks and it comes to pass, unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and, and ill go forth? You know, I think... Let's go ahead and go through this, and mm-hmm. I think that'll be a good pausing point for this time. Okay. And just because it's a little late where we're recording right now, it's already 940. There's still a lot of chapter left. There's still a lot of chapter left, and we'll come back in the next episode and do it. But who is there who speaks and it comes to pass, unless the Lord has commanded it? Man, mm-hmm. this reminds me of Joseph. It reminds mm-hmm. me of Daniel. Mm-hmm. Both these guys... Talk about dreams that God has given them them the interpretation of. But both of them say the same thing. Who is it who interprets dreams? God's. He's the one who tells them. He's the one who has given Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar a look into what's going to happen in the future. Mm -hmm. With Pharaoh, it being the seven years of plenty and then the seven years of famine. With Nebuchadnezzar, two times... Basically, got to give him this great thing, and then he's going to make him an animal of the field, basically. And then he's also giving him a chance to see what the world's going to have, what's going to happen to the nations of the world before the rock comes down and it's implanted forever. Mm-hmm. That's what really comes to my mind in thinking of that. And unless the Lord is commanded, is not from the mouth of the Most High. Both good and ill go forth. 
This yeah. reminds me too that there are false prophets during this time as well who are telling the Israelite people, no, this isn't going to happen. It's going to be good. There's nothing wrong here. Mm-hmm. There is no sin that's going on that's going to cause Jerusalem to fall. And Jeremiah is here proclaiming bad tidings, <laughs> mm-hmm. destruction. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important for us to remember as Christians too, is like it's not all butterflies and rainbows. No. I think of just the comparison. I think it's a wonderful comparison. Are you still reading Mortification of Sin? Yeah, I'm kind of. I'm making my it's, way it's through it. It's getting there. Yeah. It, it reminds I'm in chapter me. chapter seven. If you haven't read it, it's just such a wonderful book. And one of the most vivid details in there is where he just talks about killing of sin. And he talks about, it be killing sin lest it be killing you. Mm-hmm. Um, every day we must have, this is a paraphrase, not the real quote, uh, every day we must be putting our hands upon the throat of sin and strangling the life out of it lest it be strangling us. And even in your most righteous moments, like Israel, those prophets, who are proclaiming good tidings, blessings, so on and so forth, what are you not looking for? You're not looking for sin. You're not trying to root out sin. You're not realizing your own depravity. You're not realizing where you're at with God. You think yourself to be righteous. Mm-hmm. In reality, even on your best day, you're not. Right. And so they perceived righteousness instead of looking for depravity, and that resulted in destruction. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so we have to be, as they were having false tide or false... Uh, false prophets speaking good, prosperous things, um, we should not say that to ourselves. We should not speak pro, you know, prosperous things to our lives because we go to church, because we you know, pray before we go to bed, because we pray before we eat, because we read our Bible every day. Those don't work. No, they literally don't. They won't. I don't want to say they won't mean a thing, but like they're not yeah. the thing that gets you to heaven. Yeah. yeah. They are very important, yes. And it's really hard because as Christians, like, feels like I'm trying to walk typewire in between, like, a legalistic approach mm-hmm. to saying you need to do these things th- for to be saved. Mm-hmm. But in reality, we understand that God's grace and gospel is what saves us. But we won't understand if we're saved by the gospel until we're doing certain thi- these yeah. things. Yeah. yeah, it's a sweet aroma of the gospel. You you can say all day it's work, it's work, it's work. Um, you're making it works, but when you smell the aroma of the gospel and you feel the presence, it makes you hungry. Right. There, I mean, it's impossible not to want yeah. to read scripture. I mean, yeah. if you're truly a Christian, you're going to want to be in scripture. You're going to want to pray. You're mm-hmm. going to want to do these things. Yeah. It's going to cause a hunger in you to be closer to God. Yeah. I think we've already quoted it once, and I think you quoted it when we first started, the Paul Washer analogy of, of walking in front of the truck. Right. You know, you get hit by it. No one would say, if I came to you and I said, I was hit by a truck, you know, sorry, I'm late. I got hit by a, a Mack truck. And you said, uh, I don't think you got hit by a truck. Why? Well, because you're fine. You, nothing's you, you know your arm's still there you're, you're still in joint you, you're not completely you're not in a hospital you're not in a hospital right so i think you're lying to me so you know if we come encounter why do we think a mac truck is more powerful than god if we become in the presence of god or god acts upon us there should be a more drastic change than a mac truck hitting you right and that's what we need to understand. That's what we need to search for. That's what we need to seek for mm-hmm. is for a change in our lives to want to be there. Yeah. And the problem is if you're not seeking, then you're not, it's not there. And I think that's, that's where Israel fell into big problems is they weren't seeking complacency. No. Yeah. They were happy with where God had placed them. Yeah. God's given us everything we need. We got good land. We got good food we can do what we want now. Yep. And, you know, those idols, they look kind of nice and look kind of fun. They look kind of fun. Well, I mean, what's really an idol? We know. We got everything we need, right? And God said he'd protect us, so yeah, yeah, let's God's, do it. God's going to, he already protected. He's going to protect us. We're fine. Right. You know, it's laugh all day, but it's like no different than a Christian today saying, I say that magical prayer, I got my fire insurance, I'm good. Right. And not change any of their life afterwards. Yeah. It's a continued work, and that's why in 
Luke chapter 14, Jesus said, you have to bear your cross you know, to come after him. Right. And that's why it tells the rich young ruler, sell all your possessions and come and follow me if you've really followed the law all the way through. Because it shows that our hearts have idols. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't even place them there no. intentionally. I mean, they're there unconsciously. John Calvin said, the human heart is an idol-making factory. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we unintentionally spend more time with other things than God sometimes. Mm-hmm. And there's times where God really gives us the chance to come back and say, hey, um, you need to follow me or I'll direct your path back towards me. Mm-hmm. And this is where we need to remember to leave our hearts open to him and to seek and search for him. That's why it's so important about Romans 10. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and then you will be saved. Right. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to confess with your mouth unless you're searching. Yeah. Because in all reality, if you don't look at who God really is, you're not going to understand just how bad your sin is in the first place. No. No. And that's, you, you know, you have to have that Isaiah moment. You, you stand in front of God and you say, what was, was me? me. Mm-hmm. Or have this moment where you've seen everything that's going around you and you're like, man, God, I just put your yoke on me. Let me mm-hmm. go and be your servant because I can't handle this grief anymore. Yeah. And then, and then you can become like the lamenter. Yep. Bear and, that yoke, but bear yeah. it silently. And then, of course, we got to remember, too, is that when things are good, we still have to remember to have that yoke upon us. And I think that's another place where Jerusalem was great at crying out when things were going bad. Mm -hmm. But when things were going great, who cared what God was doing? It's so much like us today. It really is. Mm -hmm. We're better at crying out when things are in trouble than when things are going good. But how much more does it say of obedience that when things are going, when things are terrible, you praise God. Right. Okay. Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for leaving, some of you for leaving ratings. I even saw a guy left a comment on us on iTunes. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. I'd well, thank you. looked it up. I know it was almost two months ago. Oh. <laughs> but thank you. Sorry we're not great at checking our ratings and reviews yet, but we're so thankful that you guys are listening. We're on all the major podcast stations right now. And remember, we have our own website. We are up on our channel. So, no, those are two things that people are kind of looking for. Mm-hmm. Alright, my name is Logan Matisti. And my name is Colton Wright. Thanks for listening, guys. And God bless.